Roadshow, episode number 276. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee's not with me, but I mean, I don't want to say it's an upgrade. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that because that would just be downright offensive. Especially since the guy's editing the audio but, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, hold on. Let's start that again. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the MMA Roadshow. I am so hurt that my man Cold Coffee is not with me, but we've got a, I mean, not as uh, a suitable replacement, but one that we'll have to make do. Oscar Willis from the World MMA Awards nominated <laughs> The Mac Life. You know, the more you say it, the, it, it almost sounds like you think it's ridiculous, John. <laughs> um, but listen, you know, we're here, we're in fight, we're being professional. Oh, and, uh, you know, yes. it's, it's good. It's a good time. <laughs> good. To, by the way, I'm just going to let the world uh, know. It's, I'm going I'm to pull back the curtain. You might say, was oh. he just opening an a, uh, award-winning Pabst Blue Ribbon? But no, he wasn't. He was he was opening a sprite to go with his vodka. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta you gotta I'm being watch cultured, the figure. John. I'm being, that's what it is. The figure. Yeah, let's go with that. He says while also drinking the pint of beer. Ah, yes, yes, yes. You said it. We are in Fight Island. It, you know what? I enjoy saying we are in Fight Island. It is Fight. Island. I mean, I I know that at the end of the day, we're in Abu Dhabi. We're in Yaz Island. We're in Abu Dhabi, where you and I both were this past September. Yeah. So it's not as if we're in some new place, but. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's been so much build up to this, so much anticipation, so much mystery, so much discussion that I honestly just like saying, you know what, man? We're in Fight Island. Well, you know, we were both in Fight Island before it was Fight Island in September. And I have to say, coming here, I thought I was going to really not buy into the whole thing of like, oh, Fight Island, you know, what a great marketing ploy, but that's about it. But my God, the branding they have and every inch of this safe zone we're in, it's hard not to. And, and, the temperature is not as god awful as I thought it was going to be, right. so it's, uh, you can actually, you know, breathe outside. So I have to say, it's a little bit easier to buy into the concept of Fight Island than I thought. The br- I mean, we'll get into it, but the branding everywhere. is everywhere, everywhere, and it does feel just a little bit different. I think everyone's sort of, it, it's a bit like, uh, it's a bit like Christmas, right? You know, we'll buy into the magicalness of it, and, it, and it'll just, we'll all get along, knowing like wink and a smile. Yeah, we're all playing along. But we're playing along on the same tune, and it feels like that's what Fight Island is. I dig it. And so so much to talk about. And we're definitely going to talk about the fights because, of course, it's a, it's a big fight card. And the return of in-person interviews, i got to say, for the first time since March, we got to talk to athletes in person. I mean, yes, we had to wear masks. Yes, we were all social distanced, all that. But I, I have to say, in terms of my excitement on Thursday night, I have sat here – uh, for the past couple of months and talked about fights after we've done these online media sessions. And listen, I'm not blaming the UFC. They had to make emergency adjustments. They did the best they could do. But as far as just my own feeling like I'm really bought into matchups, that I understand what's going on, that I, that I, that I have those insights again, I'm, I'm so much more keyed up this week. Well, listen, you and I have spoken about this multiple times. I think we've even mentioned it on the podcast. For me, I've... I've the since Jacksonville, right after Jacksonville, when they started doing the regular shows at the Apex, I actually became very jaded with the sport because I felt it was demanding. Not listen, I'm not a, a nurse or whatever, but I felt like it was demanding a lot of me to get up at six in the morning for not the best cards in the world and have to be awake for like you know nearly 24 hours for what you know a weigh-in and a post-fight press conference you know the, the reason i got into this was for the pre-fight interviews that's the best bit so i i felt a little bit jaded with the sport because i felt we were sort of half back and half not 
You know, it was sort of like we're kind of back, right. but on a technicality. And again, not blaming the UFC. In fact, I'm very grateful to the UFC because God, you know, we owe them our jobs right now. Uh, I don't think that's too outrageous to say. It's so, not. So if we didn't have an industry to cover, you, I don't right, think you know, we'd be so, working. So I'm complaining at the, the sort of I'm complaining unnecessarily, but it, it, I did become a little bit jaded, and then. This week, we had our first in-person interviews, as you said, and I think you and I were both like little school kids when we were leaving. We're like, oh, you know, I wasn't even thinking about that fight. Now I am. And, and it uh, for people who don't cover the sport, I, I think you guys probably can relate because you don't, we, from our numbers we see, you don't click on that's right. You don't click on video interviews. I it's think people feel the same way we do. Cause it's it, just less personable, right? It's not, re- it's not resonating the same way. And I think, number one, I mean uh, – Part of it probably has to do with, like, every website literally has the exact same 100%. interviews. So that's part of it. But the other thing, too, is, I mean, just the, the, the athletes themselves, if people don't know this, w- when they're doing those WebExes, uh, they can't see the person that's asking the question. So even if it was a Skype, a Zoom, a StreamYard, that we, you know, all, all these online softwares that people are using – at least there would be a little bit of interaction. Those fighters are literally sitting there just staring at a blank computer screen. They can't see anything. Yeah. And I think that makes it difficult to, to, to just feel any emotion and to, to, to interact. You're, just, you're talking to nobody. Well, also, if you're a fighter, right, you probably, for that, that particular media scrum on the internet, you've been dragged out of bed, you're tired, you don't really want to be there, you get plopped in front of a computer, you're half asleep anyway, you're on autopilot because, because you just are. But unfortunately, when you're a fighter, you get dragged into a room full of, let's like, say, 12 people you're going to get that tiny little adrenaline spike of like, oh, I'm under the spotlight. That's I, right. I, you know, even the that, lenses are there. Yeah. The lights are Unless there. Unless you're Rose Nabi which you don't give a shit. But, I mean, the rest of them, you, you know, you're under the spotlight. You feel compelled to be compelling in some way, you know. And um, you can – it is night and day. I would, I would say to anybody who consumes content, watch the Holloway WebEx Virtual Media Day versus his in-person thing. I I would wa- I haven't watched the fucking version of anything, but I <laughs> I would wager one is more captivating than the other. No question. Well, listen, I talked to my staff that was monitoring that, and they were like, that thing was a hundred times better. Yeah, it's just natural. All right, so let's set the scene right here. By the way, uh, we are as we said in uh, in Abu Dhabi in Fight Island, Yaz uh, Island, and we're in the hotel zone. Uh, we. Didn't get the, uh, the the luxury of staying at the five star. No candy bars d- for us. No <laughs> no candy bars like USC President Dana White. We're not at the W, which is a swanky swanky hotel. But I'm gonna be honest with you, the place that we got is not too bad. Uh, and and I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on our, our whole experience because uh, I, I want to say if you are interested in that, I have been keeping a daily running blog, and I don't normally like to like pimp my content here or whatever, um, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because I'm assuming most of you have at least seen that. But I literally have been doing like step-by-step, day-by-day, pictures, photos, uh, all experience. So if you're curious about what the behind-the-scenes is like, um, check out uh, the, the Fight Island Chronicles on, uh, on MMA Junkie. I think you'll find them entertaining. It's uh, you know, I've been trying to share things. It's not necessarily my strong suit of being like a travel blog host, <laughs> but, but I think you'll enjoy. It. But I think we, I think we got kind of lucky because we're let it sink in. We're here for three weeks. <laughs> all right, I mean, I, we, we've only been here for a couple of days. We're here for three weeks. Uh, we ended up getting the Staybridge Suites, which at first, I'll be honest, I was like, there was some grumbling, wasn't there, John? They downgraded <laughs> us. They downgraded us. You know, they're staying over there in the ritzy W. Yeah. Right on top of the the racetrack, it's fancy. It's Sheik's five-star. yachts outside. Oh, Sheik's. I mean, come. On. I was like, man, we got hosed. But then we got to our rooms, and we basically like our rooms are essentially like one bedroom apartments, yep. which is nice because obviously we had to quarantine for 
48 hours and then, and then 58 hours. Listen, just a little bit extra. Yeah, a little bit extra. You know, check out the blog if you want, if you yeah, want to yeah. hear what happened there. Um, but we got, we got lucky. <laughs> now, our, now the, the only downfall of the Staybridge Suites is it does not have uh, any uh, frosty beverage consumption opportunities there. Yes. However, right next door to us is the Crown Plaza. The Crown Plaza does have the lovely Stills, I believe is the name of this place. And we've been in here... Essentially every night since we got out. <laughs> uh, because the first night we came here, we sat down to have a frosty beverage because I hadn't had one in a couple of days. And uh, we said, uh, what do you got? And they were like, well, do you want happy hour? I'm like, well, it's happy hour. Two for one Peroni. Peroni it is. Yeah. So we have been Se- having. And seven U.S. dollars. Seven U.S. Which dollars. I, th- I think actually in uh, before COVID, I believe a, a Peroni would cost you a kidney in Abu Dhabi. Absolutely. So something that oh, sort of. It is so expensive to have frosty beverages here. So when you can do a two for one Peroni. Uh, I will say this, for the next three weeks, Peroni is by, by far my favorite, favorite frosty beverage on earth. <laughs> so that's where we are inside. Um, as we sit here right now, and it's, it's, it's still very early in the evening. I mean, it's, it's prime time. Um, all the tables are socially distanced, that sort of thing. But it's literally Double, us. Doubly say. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's more than six feet apart. It's 10 feet apart, 12 feet apart, easy. Like, they're going away. They're, they're being on the safe side. But it's literally just us and one of the people. So, I, I, like I said, I don't want to spend, you know, hours talking about our experience because, like I said, if you are really interested in seeing the behind-the-scenes, please do go check out the, the, the Fight Island Chronicles if you haven't already. Uh, but I did want to talk about it briefly and just say, because certainly, I mean, this is, the, first of all, it's our life for the next three weeks, but it's you and I are in, in a rare position. We're one of the few people that saw the beginning in Jacksonville, yep. lived the first run in the apex, is now here and, and just to be sure to anybody that hasn't seen social media stuff, that hasn't read that diary, dude, it is on another level here. Yeah. Like, I, I have to say, I – not that I – I don't want to get all political. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I don't want to go too far down that road. But all I'm saying is this. I'm not a person that's scared of COVID-19, but I'm also a person that recognizes it actually does exist and it actually yes. is spreading around the world. I will say this. I don't – I. How the hell would you get COVID-19 here, dude? Everybody's been tested multiple times. Everybody's wearing masks all the time. Everybody's spread apart. Yeah. I feel incredibly safe. Well, I would feel completely comfortable not wearing a mask anywhere. Right. But I'm prepared to play the game and, and do my part because, well, again, without being too political, but that's what a lot of people in the world think you should do. Um, but what I will say is, uh, again, without getting into the policies, we've both been in Vegas for since it started, essentially, with a brief trip to Florida. When you get here and you see how much stricter they are here and compared to the States, you know, when you're in one space for a period of time and you deal with the restrictions that are putting you there, you assume that's kind of like how it is everywhere. Right. And then you get here and like not every motherfucker's in a hazmat suit when you get off the bus. And it's it's so much stricter. You get in the elevator. As soon as you get out, they hose the thing down. And it's, it's stuff that... Um, you just wouldn't see in the states. You know? say, I, the thing is, the, the 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 protocols here are incredible, man. And what they've done here is amazing. I mean, literally, when you walk in uh, a, a, a hotel, they're like sanitize your hands. I mean, they're checking your yeah, temperature you, you, and they you make you sanitize your hands. You can't walk into a building without sanitizing no, your hands. They make you sanitize your hands. Uh, I mean, just over the top stuff. Today, when we walk through, they have they have a a mister that missed you with sanitizer. Yeah. That I I thought we were just walking through a metal detector. I think I'm sterile now. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you're like, "Wait, when did I get spray?" It's just—it's on another level. I am—I I feel so comfortable that everything is so safe here. But yeah. I will say, there's no way you could pull this off in the United States. There's absolutely—I mean, even if you had the financial. Now again, they have 
nearly unlimited financial resources here, uh, so they can they can do something. I'm telling you, even if you had nearly unlimited financial resources, I just don't think logistically you could be as strict as it is here. Well, logistically, and also, like, I think, you know, culturally as well, right? I think um, people here are more inclined to just, <laughs> not trying to diss on America or whatever, but I think people are more inclined. Like, I feel like if you put a safe zone around the strip in Vegas, someone's going to be like, I bet I could get out of the safe zone and get back in. <laughs> you know, it's just kind <laughs> of the way it is, you know? So, Without question. So, uh, yeah, I just think it's a cultural difference. and uh, um, But it is... You know, we we went to uh, we went on a tour today, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And we spoke to one of the guys from Abu Dhabi, sort of their their tourism face, I suppose. And he was saying all the sort of shtick you say, uh, but it, it does feel very much. Like, if I could describe Abu Dhabi's moment, it's very controlled, right. it, but not in an aggressive way, not in a hyper tyrant way. But it just seems like uh, everyone is aware that they need to behave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like there's a strict teacher in the room at the back of the room that you're not addressing, but you're just aware that you have to behave. And I think that with the COVID stuff sort of adds into it, you know? It is. So, all right, let, so let's let's go into that. Uh, th- the whole reason this thing is happening, because, you know, we all knew that the UFC and, and Abu Dhabi had a partnership. It was, yeah. you know, they've obviously held events here before. There's a five-year agreement going on, but Fight Island came apart. It's funny because I think the early theories was it must be Abu Dhabi. And then people started coming up with the – beaches and the in the palm trees and the whatever and then we go full circle and ends up going back to yes. Abu Dhabi uh but you know the, I think the curious question was and, and Mark Fellows who's a, a longtime su- supporter uh, of the show you know he had asked me directly this week he said you know what is the financial arrangement and I knew that we, and we're still going to talk to Lawrence Epstein tomorrow UFC executive and we're going to ask him the same question um, who I think might be more insightful than, than even Dana in that regard. No disrespect yeah, to Dana, course, but yeah, yeah. he's not doing the actual nuts and bolts of the financial deals. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. We did get to talk to the to the director of, uh, of the Tourism Commission today and ask him about it, and he just said, look, it's expensive, and we spend a lot of money. I don't know how much of the UFC had to, to put out here, but it's very clear that the Abu Dhabi government underwrote, if not all of this, at least the, the lion's share of it, to be sure, but, you know, and they're open. They're honest about it. They said, listen, we're doing this to show the world like, that we are a top destination yeah. for tourism. And we're also a top destination for, for this type of situation. So it's worth it for us yeah. to lay out the money, to invest, to show the world that, look, look what we can do. And I will tell you, it's a hell of a display well, for well, them to show. He, he made, n- like, multiple things like we're open to all sports, you know. So this isn't a UFC thing. This is a... Hey, you want to have a boxing fight here? We can do you. F1, probably rugby, soccer. Like they, they made it very clear that this is a, a flag to other sports. Like, right. hey, we, if you need to put your your show on, we got you. And I, I'll give you this, John. This has been my working theory that I haven't really shared all week. But now you say that it looks like Abu Dhabi put up a lot of the the, the cost. I believe the reason Mazdor's on this card. Is because the UFC said you'll get three title fights and there's going to be a massive show. Gilbert fell off, and they were like, oh, "We've got to get him something." Yep. I think, I think that's. I really believe that Maslow's on this because essentially Dana felt obligated to give Abu Dhabi the show that he promised. Yeah, there's no question about it. That's it, complete speculation. Well, it is but. complete speculation, but I will say this: I don't know that it would go so far as to say we promised three title fights, but they might have. I mean, you know. We talked about it a long time ago, but when the first press release came out announcing the five-year deal, 
it was the first time I'd ever seen written into a press release they are guaranteed to have title fights on these pay-per-view cards. Yeah. I mean, most pay-per-view cards have title fights anyway. Right. But to have a guarantee, because that's a little bit scary because if you only have one and one guy doesn't make weight or whatever, yeah, like, you fight. guarantee. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think you're right. Like, I, I don't know if it was written anywhere that they had to have three, but I think it's very clear that – They promised them a show, right? They promised, they promised them, them a show. show. They promised them a big show. And, you know, losing losing the welterweight title fight would have been big. Um, well, it's just, it's just a uh, – Holloway Volkanovski for as good a fight as it is, and especially like we said, you know, after listening to him in person, it's more exciting. You know, does that feel like a, a, a star-studded main event right now? Right, not really. It's, re- it's a rematch that we already saw. It's what a comp- not really a compelling rematch because we had a first fight. Yeah, away. If, it was a, if it was a fight of the year rematch, then you go, oh yeah, yeah Yohanna versus Zhang Wali. Like you do that again? Okay, okay. We're, we're fine. But I, I, I think, I think that, listen, Usman Burns wasn't setting the world on fire, but it's another title fight, right? And I think. Uh, I think they just felt sort of obligated, like we've got to get him a replacement, you know? I agree. All right, so as, as we set the scene, let me just say, it's it's amazing what's been done here. It, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's over the top. Please, go check out the blog. Go check out the, the diary. You've been doing one as well, so I would say check out on the Mac Life as well. Far, far less compelling than yours. <laughs> My, mine is literally, <laughs> oh, shit, I forgot to do the diary. And then I've had a multiple... Oh God, I shouldn't even really say that. But multiple friends, like journalists that we know, been like, try and get this word into it today and giving me harder words to get into a diary. <laughs> and that's basically the only reason I fucking write it. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah. That is funny. Uh, God, that reminds me of Dave Schaller back in the day. I was doing a media day in Brazil and I was sitting in the media room while they were doing phone phone yeah. tours. And that's what uh, Dave Schaller, legendary Dave Schaller, obviously I think most people listening to this would know, but the guy that was in between John Jones and Daniel Cormier, that's all you have to say yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah. know who he is. Or, or uh, John, John Anik's doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but that, t- in order to keep those phone tours interesting, he would give them, like, on each phone call, he would give them, like, a word or a phrase to – to work yeah. into an uh, anthropomorphic. An Try getting that into a fucking diary post, man. Jesus. Wow. I got it there. I got it there. It's good. That's funny. Uh, the best one he had was he gave Anthony Johnson the word speedo with Kevin Ioli. <laughs> and I was actually listening to it. <laughs> and the way Anthony Johnson slipped it in was uh, fast hands and a lot of speedo. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, technically that works. Uh, but I checked the story the next day, and Kevin Ioli actually edited it Correct to fast speeds. hands and speed. Pussy. Yeah, exactly. But, well, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure that's what he yeah. thought it was. That's you know? always a weird one, right? When uh, I hate it when you got spell check or grammar check on it, and it's like someone like Masvidal who talks in sort of like, you know, a bit more street tempo. And it's like, he was. It's like, he were. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah you got to say it the right way. Yeah. The, the other one was uh, he gave Chad Mendez uh, Danny Castillo's shoe collection. <laughs> Last is half <laughs> And Chad Mendez worked it in. Good Stunned. for him. Stunned. All right, let's talk about the fights themselves. So you touched on it right there. Masvidal stepping in. Uh, it's interesting, right, because there's no question about it. Masvidal stepping in makes this a far more uh, attention-grabbing card. I mean, oh, the yes. casual fan – Jorge Masvidal, one of the biggest stars in the sport right now. I mean, obviously, uh, your boss, Conor McGregor, of course, still the biggest star in the sport. There's no question about it. There's no Even argument. in retirement, John. Even in retirement. There is no question about that. I mean, listen, not just kissing up because he's here. I mean, he, that's literally the truth, even in retirement. I mean, we know he's probably never going to fight again, uh, which is unfortunate for you and, and, and an outlet. Um, but but maybe tough. one day he'll get that urge again. I would think so. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly <laughs> made his statements free. Uh, but no, one of the biggest stars in sports. So it, 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 it certainly brings attention, which is good for us. Uh, you know, brings the mainstream opportunities, all those things. I will say this. I'm intrigued. I, I, I was very intrigued by the Gilbert Burns matchup. And I hope 
that Gilbert Burns doesn't lose his place in line. Now, here's where I get really confused because I, I really was a guy that said, well, Leon Edwards needs his opportunity yeah, too. Dude, like, I don't know where it? the hell he's well, he, at. Why, at this why point. isn't he here? You know, he should be fighting on the 25th with like Till or something. I'm know? telling you, man. I so, I so I was disappointed. But Gilbert Burns, because to me, Gilbert Burns, his jujitsu is on another level. And so, you know, I think of Usman and his and his grappling and and his, his pace and his top game. But I don't know if he wants to have that top game on top yeah. of Gilbert. So I will be honest with you, from a pure stylistical matchup standpoint. I was actually more intrigued by Gilbert Burns, um, but from a now we got a now we got an spectacle. event now we got a spectacle and you know listen we, we'll talk about the X and O's as well because uh, I think it's intriguing as well. It's not like I'm oh like oh, I'm so disappointed Masvidal's in here. That's not the case. I'm not as intrigued by a stylistical matchup. I feel this is more uh, striker versus grappler, yeah, ex- yeah, stamina yeah, yeah. since you're coming on short notice, that sort of thing. I don't feel like there's as much mystery, but from the from the from excitement and fans being enthused, there's no question this is an upgrade. Yeah, well, listen, Burns and Usman actually reminded me of Usman versus Woodley, where it's like, dude, they, they seem so evenly matched on on so many levels. It's I don't know which way it's going to go. So I understand exactly what you're saying. With Mazda, all signs point to Short notice, big paycheck. You know, it's not the worst thing if he loses on this. He's probably not going to get knocked out. So I think that's the bit. But what the one thing that gets in my head about Maslow taking this fight is, and I will link it back to Connor, when Connor was on his rise and he'd say something and it would happen. And I think it was before, I think even, I, I, I used to describe, he just had this sort of touch of destiny about him where he's like, he'd said it, it would happen, and it was, he willed it into and existence. It was over he and over again. It into existence. And I think when you have a fighter on that sort of that sort of momentum, they do, they they break your expectations. And Masvidal's last year in 2019 was that three times over. I mean, we've never seen a guy that late in his career become that. But he 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 and it's a bit like he's huge. This is a bit of a, an anecdotal uh, evidence, but. I've only learned this as I've gotten further and further into my career. When you have people who don't watch the sport hitting you up to say how excited they are, that is a, actually a genuine indicator of yeah. the interest. I've had a guy who hasn't watched the sport, he only watches Connor fights, and he's like, I'm buying this now. Like That is an indicator of the interest Mansdor can bring. So for me, I think pro- I'm not as sad to lose the Burns fight because I always felt it should have been this fight. I, w- I was actually, re- I was really, we spoke about being jaded earlier by the sport. I was really pissed off that they wouldn't just pay the fucking guy. I felt Mazda had earned it. Uh, I felt Dana was being a bit unreasonable, but he had backing to do so with the current climate. I can't fault him for that, but I just felt it was unfair for Mazda. So I always felt it was this, this fight should have been the one. And so, I, I mean, even me, like I, I got off the plane you know, so tired, and you get Mazda in. You're like, I can't believe this sport is the best, dude. Like, where does that happen? You know, like just a lot, six days. Yeah, sure, we'll give you some of Blockbuster. It is crazy, right? Like, we were at the airport. We were on yeah. the plane that they were supposed to be on. We're like, we had heard some rumblings. We were trying to get, well, you know, we're trying to get some. Reporting it's like they done. were about to give you like the Daredevil on Netflix, and they went, actually, do you know what? Have the Avengers. <laughs> you can have the movie. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it is crazy, man, how things turn out. Let me ask you one thing real quick, and I want to deviate from the the matchup briefly. You know, Masvidal's situation has been included in part of this like whole yeah. argument of fighter pay, and, and I bet they hope he doesn't win, dude. <laughs> well, that's what I wonder. I mean, do you feel that like that he? And I don't even know how to phrase this the right way because we always said, look, I, I, we don't really 
believe that fighters are going to be able to organize and unionize any time in the near future or whatever. But it did seem like he was digging his heels in. And he was, I think, the first one to really go out publicly and talk about, like, hey, this 18% revenue share, and can't uh, we can't we was bring he doing it up? that for fighters, or was he doing that for him, right? Well, and, that, and that's why I was saying, like, I, it's been an interesting dynamic over the past couple weeks is, yeah, was he trying to, like, really change the system, or was he really just trying to do it for him? And I don't blame him for doing it for him. His, I, think he, said, I think he would be one of the people to be like, fuck yeah, it was for me. Bro, what he did in 2019, and you said it, and, and, I, and I wrote a piece that's going to be on the website, I think, tomorrow, um, just kind of talking about this, where it's like, it's so amazing how much time he put in the sport, but how he reinvented himself. You know, the way that he yeah. reinvented. And he always has the personality. Like, if you go back and watch like old footage and old interviews, man, he always had – it was always there a little bit. But I think for whatever reason – I don't know if he didn't feel comfortable or just didn't think it's it was the haircut, dude. I'm telling you. Well, the, well, the haircut changed everything. That's what I, 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 I don't know if he didn't think it was necessary or he didn't feel comfortable doing well, it. Super necessary. Super necessary. <laughs> but he went out and started doing it, and it did. Listen, it did change. Like, if you look at, uh, you know, the time off after the Wonder Boy fight until he came back for Till. That's when the hair got long, the beard got long. Street Jesus was born. Yes. yes now yes. it's the resurrection. Now we're baptizing. Now, and, and some of that is showmanship, but. He's a showman. He's a fighter. He's a prize fighter. I mean, you think about where his roots go. His roots go back to collecting money in a backyard, and, and uh, uh, you know, for, for cash bets. Isn't that why uh, when you see people, oh, he's scared of his man. He, oh, that's ridiculous. He, it's, it's like, dude, that, that ar- aggravates me on so many levels. Like, and, and not just like, oh, he's scared of his man or Connor's scared of Kabir or Gaethje or like anyone's scared of anyone. These guys fight in a cage for a living. And you best believe they convince themselves pretty handily that they're the best thing to walk this earth. Right. They're not scared of anyone. And to be honest, a fighter is well within their, especially at the age of Mazdor, especially after the career he's had, he's not got a long, long time left. He's well entitled to ask for as much as he can Maximize. rip out of this sport. Yep. And more for you for faulting him. You know, it's wrong that you fought him because if you take the side of the corporation of the UFC, and I'm not even anti-UFC, but if you take the side of them every time, you're just belittling the guys trying to get paid. And it's... it's The UFC have more money than these guys. So, it di- I mean, I don't want to say a failure, but was it a misstep? Because it did feel like there was some real energy moved in this direction. Now, again, we all said there's no way they're going to unionize. There's no, no. way they're going to organize. There's too many people that'll step up. Gilbert Burns was the perfect example. And again, you can't fault Gilbert Burns. He was just trying but to get But if it wasn't going to be Gilbert, it would be Leon it'd be, and so on and so forth. It would be somebody else. Exactly right. So do you feel that... Just not Colby. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like this is a misstep by Masvidal? Or, or or not only say misstep, because he's got to look out for himself, but does this does this swerve that momentum? Does this, does this stall all that conversation we were having? I think it does. Uh, but I think if you spoke to Masvidal, which we will this week, I, I think he'd be the first to say, I wasn't ever saying I was the union guy. I was saying what I felt was fair for me. Jo- Jones is the guy who's like, oh, if this helps younger fighters, stuff like that. But I do feel that we spoke about this when they first started. You had Cejudo, Jones, Masvidal, Connor for a separate reason, but also Connor. And it was the first time in a long time I can remember like a multi-pronged sort right. of assault on the, right. the the staple and hierarchy of the UFC as soon as one of those go then oh they they figured out Masvidal's issue they can figure out John so whatever Jones has to say now uh, they'll work it out you know it, it just it just 
it's either a United front or it isn't, and it's never going to be a United front. I'm over the union talk. It's just not going to happen. Even Aldo, Mr. Pro Union, yesterday was like, nope, not the time for a union. So, But I, I do think Masvidal was probably the biggest voice, and he was also the only guy specifying revenue. That's right. Which is, it I, wasn't which I think just complaints. It wasn't just... I mean, he was saying very specific yeah. things, which I... I respected the hell out of him saying yeah, that. Yeah, it's not, I just want more. Like, with Jones, like, this whole sort of wishy-washy, does he want Deontay Wilder money? Does he want half Deontay Wilder money? Maslow said, I want, like, more on the back end because I'm bringing in more on the back end. Your markets are too high. Very specific stuff. Once you take that out, the rest of it, like, it doesn't have any substance anymore. It's just guys complaining about their pay. And Dana is, as we know, the best at disregarding it and yeah. making it seem like a, a non-issue. I hope that's the lasting... Uh, impact that Mazudal had is is, is is quoting that 18% number it's and talking about deal, can we get this higher yeah. can we move because you're right just saying I want more then Dana comes back and goes which one of you thinks you make too yeah. much money and it's, it's, you know what I mean it's, you'd it's think they would learn dude they've seen his counter to that like a hundred times over in fact, when I thought Jones was on the right path when he started specifying on Twitter like what he wanted like oh I want more money because of this because of this because of this right dude Go all out. Say the figure. Because if John says, I want $15 million, we have to ask Dana, why is he not worth $15 million? You know, you can't go half in, half out. And I even saw an interview with John, and I think it was the one he did maybe with Steve-O, yeah. where he was saying that, like, oh, well, people don't even know what they, what they make. You have the right to go financially audit all their books. They say, well, if I you're part he, of the uh, pay-per-view partner. But didn't he say that? Am I, am I wrong? I think that he, he said, he, said he, he started to audit them, I believe, right. because of that. But and it's not the first time I've heard a fighter say that sort of stuff. Uh, I think that's a lot of things guys don't realize as they're coming up. Like, you know, the, the, when the UFC are the ones who are in control of the numbers and then telling you the numbers, it's a conflict of interest. And it's only when you get to this sort of certain level that you're like, oh, you know. But you need to you, you need to. you need to do that. You need If it's paying the count, if it's whatever, to, to go do it, well, you need to do it. I think Maslow said in an interview, I forget who is, so apologies, but I, he, he said, and, it, and it's a fundamental thing that I think fighters forget, right? Dana White not, is not your friend. I mean, he can be, but fundamentally, promoter, fighter will always be at odds on some degree. Right. Because your interest as a fighter is to get as much money for you as you can, and your interest as a promoter is to get as much money for your promotion as you can. So fundamentally, you have to be at odds. So true. I think a lot of guys forget that, and I think Dana's very good at making them forget that. Um, and then you get managers involved, and sometimes they're not the best at being in the middle and, and stuff like that. So... Listen, it's just a complicated, complicated. It is. I, listen, I, I think this is a moment in time, and it's funny because Dana basically does this. He says, "Ah, oh, this happens all the time. They'll change." And he's right. We're moving past yeah. it already. But I think there were a couple lessons that, that happened during this moment in time: the public sharing of information, the specific quoting of, of financial numbers. I think that that needs to continue if these guys want to improve themselves. So, all right, we uh, don't want to spend too much. We don't want to spend too much time talking about the business. But that, I thought that that side of it was interesting. All right, um, okay. We know the challenges, right? I mean, Mazadal is the stud. He's the star. He's he's. Yeah. I hate to say it, even though he's not the champ. I think he's the A side. You know, what I, mean? I, he's don't, the I don't think I said. Yeah, any I, yeah I don't even have to say. <laughs> that. I don't even have to say. That. I think I know he's the A side. Yeah. I don't mean to disrespect that. Um, okay, but the deck is stacked against him. Uh, wasn't training for a five round fight. Was clearly training, but not not training for a five round fight and not training for a five round fight against Kamaru mm -hmm. Usman. Yeah. Um, of course, Mazudal has power. Mazudal has, uh, you know, technical striking ability. He's clearly the better fighter on the feet. Um, his defensive wrestling is probably underrated to a degree. It's not like I think people just look back at that Maya fight and they just say, "Oh, well, Maya took him down, right?" And it's yeah. like they ju they just that's all that's in anyone's head. 
I, what, have I you, know. what have you done for me lately sort of thing, you know? I agree. So, uh, but Askren didn't take him down. That's true. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, as long as they were in the cage together, the whole time they grinded <laughs> they that thing up. out, not a single takedown. <laughs> uh, but you know what the problem was? Askren just didn't have enough attempts. That was the issue. Is that that, I think well, he would have gotten him at one. I, I was surprised how few takedown attempts Askren went It's like he was too fight. confident on his feet. It really was. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> let's flip the other side. Yeah, sorry. Let's flip the other side of it. Usman. All right. Usman, I, I like Usman, man. I really do. And I know he's easy to hate on. A lot of people hate him. That 30% comment back in St. Louis. I don't get Lewis. it, dude. I really don't get the hate, man. He's not that bad. I, I don't think so. I mean, listen, people oh, his trash talk's cringing. And I'll give him that. You know what I mean? Like, But whatever. I mean, there's a handful of people that are really good at it. I was about to say, it, name, you know name I mean? like half the month isn't cringing. There's man. a handful of people that are really good at it. I think people criminally underrate Usman's skills and his abilities, and he is a good human being. And behind the scenes, granted, I, you know, I called a couple of fights with him at Titan, so we got to spend some time together. I got to know him a little bit better there. Uh, of course, you know, you cover people's careers, you know, you get to know him. I, I, I like Usman. I, I don't. I, I hate the fact that people don't like him, to be honest. I think he's a good dude. But let's talk about this, the situation that he's in because, um, I mean, he deserves credit, too, for taking this fight on short notice, right? I mean, he did agree to change it. And, and I will say this. Here's the part that intrigues me about this, because I think the deck is incredibly stacked against Mazda on this. That's that's an easy case to make. But what's intriguing about this? The reason that I'm that I'm that I'm still like, oh, number one, because Mazda is Mazda, but number two. Imagine saying that a year ago, dude. Like, how I quick know. did he become a superstar? But you're right. But he wasn't a superstar before. But I always knew that like he's going to be he's ready always, for a yeah, fight. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. That, that dude's tough. But what intrigues me about this is this, and it comes back down to the, 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 the reason I was intrigued by Burns, is there's no way Usman has been working on his wrestling for eight weeks. Now, I know that's his bread and butter. I know it's in his tank at all times. But there's no way that he was planning on taking down Gilbert yeah. Burns over and over, over, and, over yeah. and over and over. So can you adjust again? Because there's no way he's planning on standing up with Mazudo. So can you change the game plan that quick and still be effective? I wonder, is this, you know, a trap-type situation for Usman where he's like, you know what, man, don't worry about that. I can take this dude down, no sweat. And, and he finds out all of a sudden, like, oh, crap, I've been drilling my stand-up for the last eight weeks, and now my, my timing isn't where I thought it was going to be. So he, because that's the whole thing is we're saying, well, man, Mazudov stepping in on a, on a week's notice. What, what's he doing? But if Usman was getting ready for an entirely different kind of fight – then isn't he kind of stepping in on a week's notice too? Well, it's it's one of those interesting things, right? They kind of both back themselves into a corner. You know, like Usman used to talk about Mazda like, oh, I can fuck that guy up tomorrow. So when the fight's off to him, you can't say no. So Usman was in a, like Usman had to accept this fight. Imagine if he turned this down. Imagine if it came out that Usman turned down Mazda on oh. 69. He'd never live it down. So he had to take the fight. Right. And I do well, I, I do see your point, like it's a different style of opponent. I would argue that in terms of who's gonna uh, have more to overcome. It's still Jorge. You know, Usman does have the camp. His, his card is off the chain. My, what I find interesting about this is if, uh, if it, you know, this mentality of like, oh, has he a late change? Is he going to be able to? If that is the case, if Usman is thinking like, oh, I wasn't training for this guy. If he went for a takedown and Jorge stuffed the first one, I would imagine that's mentally like, oh, shit. For Usman, you know, that's that's going to be a, a thing he has to overcome. Secondly, as I said to you earlier, he doesn't like Jorge. Right. And the last guy he didn't like was Colby, and he stayed on the feet, and I felt he was doing that to prove a point. And I think Usman probably has a bit of a chip on his shoulder that so many people are disregarding his striking abilities, because I think he's very confident in himself, and rightfully so. 
So uh, w uh, it'd be interesting to see if he does try to stand up with Jorge and what Jorge can do with that. Because you, you would imagine Mazdal needs to uh, capitalize ASAP. Yes. As soon as he has an opportunity, so. get it as soon as you can, you know? I mean, I don't think you want, I don't think you want to try an Askren. No. I don't think you want to try that, but yes, I think you want to push fast. I, I, if man, if I'm coaching Masvidal, which important to be said, Brown's ground, not there, yeah. can't be there. I think that's a bigger detriment than people realize. <sighs> I do too. I do too. It's unfortunate. Uh, but if I'm coaching him, I'm saying, listen, let's let's go a hundred percent for two rounds. I think so too. You know what I mean? Like, if if all we got is ten minutes, let's make it a hellacious ten yeah, minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And let's let's do everything we can because I don't think you want to say. Well, we've got to be ready for four. We've got to be ready for five. Because if you're if you're if you're tempering yourself a little bit, then I th I think you're messing yourself up. Well, look, 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 let's take Hoy's last fight against Nate. Nate said, "I knew I didn't have the cardio to go for five, so I chilled out for one, two, and three, and I was going to turn it on in four and five. Okay, well, maybe maybe yes, maybe no. But if that's your mentality, flip it the other way. Yeah, like I mean, well, I I don't think I think, especially against a guy with no disrespect to Usman, he's not known for like just KOing people's starch out right so if you're masterful you probably think like well look you know go ham for 10 minutes and then i've got 15 minutes to stall and just chill out and just you know well, dude i mean and, who, and also masdol infamously great at that like he used to quit halfway through his fights all the time yeah just like get bored and just chill he could i mean if you think about it if he goes balls out for 10 minutes banks the first two rounds doesn't get the finish but clearly banks the first two rounds you you got to think, and again, no disrespect to Maz or no disrespect to Usman, I should say, but Masvidal is probably not in fear of getting knocked out. I don't think he's getting finished. A fear of getting finished, yeah, exactly. So you think, okay, I got two rounds in the books. All I got to chill do, for two and take the fifth. I got to take. That's it. I got to take one more out of these last yeah. three. You know what I mean? So for me, so that's why I will say this: I am incredibly intrigued by the first ten minutes of this fight. Incredibly intrigued yeah. by the first minutes of the fight. I do think we could get to a point. And I, and I don't want to jinx it. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm sorry to say this. I don't want to spoil anybody's, you know, pay-per-view event. Uh, but I, I do feel like it is possible that we could get to like three, four, and five, and we and, and we're going. Yeah. Someone, someone's being clinched I, against the cage. That's it. Like I know yeah. what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what's happening here. I, I'd be unfortunate to see that. Uh, but I, if I was a betting man, I'd say that's probably where it could end up. You know, because Usman's one of those guys as well. Like uh, he's hard to imagine being finished. Mm -hmm. It's the same as Khabib. Like, it's hard to imagine someone knocking that guy out. Whereas, like, someone like Tony or, or Justin, we've seen them hurt. We've seen them vulnerable. So it's easier to picture them being KO'd. Uh, Usman, for me, is just a hard guy to imagine being KO'd. You know, he just looks like a tough sort of dude. Um, but then Mazadol did spark Till out, and I'd have said Till was one of those guys too. So I swear to God, dude, if if Masvidal sparks if, Usman. If he did him in two minutes, he's the second biggest guy in the sport nearing first different stratosphere right i mean he would get those be, two he, together he would be oh my god can you imagine those two coming together yeah i can imagine dana's heart attack sure <laughs> <laughs> oh my god can you imagine them coming to hold him up for give well, me all the money well, like, give me all the money dude, like you know you think you have a problem with jorge now if he wins man oh my god but god bless him like, i'm all for it but can you imagine mazi doll mcgregor and the and the negotiations that yeah and then happen. nate storm <laughs> from the back of the room by, by the way by the way I'm, I'm that's only of course if mcgregor is willing to end his retirement because he is so enticed 
by a match with that. I, I know it would be difficult because, listen, once you're in it's that retirement to, it's, life. It's just hard to picture, John. I imagine. It's tough. I mean, I don't even, guys, is he training? I don't even know. Probably not. Yeah. Guys in his hammock every day yeah. just reading, enjoying the, the retired life. Yeah. All, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, I'm looking forward to it. I do, I'm very intrigued. Like I say, I, 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 to me, the right, the right pick is Usman by decision, but – I I I am intrigued early on. Every every so often, one of these fights comes along that's just like a a shockingly big deal that you didn't realize it was a big deal until it was nearly upon you. Uh, and when those come, I think the best thing to do is just enjoy it, right? Uh, so, uh, Masvidal Diaz, when that got announced, I was like, yeah! Ironically enough, in Abu Dhabi in September, that that's got right. announced on Fight Night. That was a fun night. But uh, I remember <laughs> I remember <laughs> being so excited for that and. and the same again for this dude. There's just it's it's we always talk about the big fight feel. Like when Bruce is in the middle of those two, it's about ready to go. I'm gonna be shaking with nerves. It's gonna be awesome. I'm digging it, man. Well, listen, uh, we we've we've been talking about it, but everybody's heard the rumors, and the wait is finally over. Fight Island is primed and ready to go this Saturday. The fighters will be taking their talents to Abu Dhabi. Hell, they're already here for USC 251. And the lineup of fights this weekend is one of the best yet. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action starting this Thursday. That's right now with a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. If you haven't tried it already, I'm telling you, fantasy MMA is easy to play, especially when there's a potential million-dollar top prize there. You just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. You're not just picking winners and losers. You're, you're showing your actual expertise in the sport. So there's no better way to put that knowledge on the test than for a shot at $1 million. Now, listen, if, if DraftKings, you know, if you think MMA isn't for you, DraftKings does have other options. they got fantasy golf and that sort of thing. If, if MMA is not your thing and you're listening to this podcast, I'm a little shocked, to be honest with you. <laughs> how, did you get, how did you get there? <laughs> but I just want to let you know, our friends at DraftKings, they got other stuff for you too. There's millions of dollars up for grabs, and uh, full sports are getting back, so there's lots of things you can do. So here's what you got to do. If you want to get a piece of this, download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code Frosty. Hello. Come on now, Frosty. There is no better. I mean, you know, people use the name of their show. They might say Morgan. They might say Road. Hell no. <laughs> they, said, they said, what do you want? DraftKings came to us and said, what do you want? We said, can we use Frosty? They said, you're damn right you can. We love the road show. You can use Frosty. So use the promo code Frosty and you're going to get a free shot at $1 million. Again, that's the top prize this weekend's USC 251 contest with your first deposit. That's promo code Frosty to get a free shot at $1 million with your first deposit. Now here's where you do the, the little – a little, little tiny read. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. Uh, Coming back. <laughs> Co yeah, you know, that's, we cut to commercial. That's, you know, that was just the commercial. I totally, totally weren't doing that. Uh, all right, listen, USC 251 uh, is a big card. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time talking about the main event because it is so intriguing. And, of course, uh, you do have the BMF champion against the welterweight champion. But the co-main event, pretty sweet as well. Featherweight title is on the line. Your new champ, Alexander Volkanovsky, a man that I've been a fan of, watching his run to the top. 18-fight winning streak. That's just uh, obscene rematch with Max Holloway. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Uh, when this fight was first announced, we knew it was happening right away. I mean, Alexander Volkanovsky going into the fight said, I'm going to have to beat the guy twice. I know that. Max Holloway, uh, a lot of people saying, greatest featherweight of all time, you know, after, they, after defeating Jose Aldo. And I will say, man, the way he thoroughly dismantled Jose Aldo twice, mm -hmm. it did make you think, man, the, the guy has claim. Now, 
Volkanovski has since said, look, dude, I mean, greatest of all time, hold up. You know, Aldo had a lot of a lot of defenses, man. He was on top for a long time. But when you see Holloway thoroughly dismantle somebody like that two times, you know, you at least start talking about the options. Uh, so they fight for the first time. And, and Volkanovski looked fantastic. And to, to yeah. me, damn near shut him out. Now, Holloway had some some – some nice work late, but at that point, Volkanovski had a broken hand. So they announced the rematch, and I got to say, I wasn't fired up for it. I was just like, all right, they're going to fight again, but whatever. Yeah. But I'm telling you, this week, and I think, again, it goes back to us being able to actually interview these people in person, actually have some physical interaction with them and, and talk to them. I'm pretty fired up about this now because uh, Volkanovski, again, it's, it's, here's what's hilarious. Volkanovski, incredibly respectful. Yeah. Holloway will never talk trash in his life. Yeah. So they are dropping the most subtle bombs at each other ever. Like, it's just, it's a, you know what? As a passive-aggressive man myself <laughs> from time to time, uh, I love the little things. It's like, oh, he thinks he won the fight, did he? Like, oh, I have trouble seeing that one, man. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, hey, to each his own. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of stuff. But, it's been, you know, they, they kind of have a little – there's a little rivalry there. There is – I mean, we're going to reuse the word. There is a frostiness to them. I, it's, uh, it's very interesting because they're both – they're both, in my opinion, approaching each other with the, in, with the same sort of mentality, but in very different expressions. Volkanovski outright says, you know, oh, so I, don't, I thought he was a good champion. He's a sore loser. I think he's salty. I think he's salty. And then you've got Max being like, oh, listen, I just thought I won the fight. If that makes me salty, then I guess, I guess we're all salty. I, I, maybe it's just me. I thought I won the fight. And it's interesting because they're basically, they're like those two drunk women at a Christmas party <laughs> where they're like, oh, yeah, I like those shoes. I had some of them last year. And then eventually as it, it escalates. It goes, and they just explode. But they are making very sort of bitchy little remarks to each other. And I'm here for it. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny. And I'll tell you right now, that is why the Mac Life is uh, nominated for a World <laughs> MMA Award. Because I would have never said that they were like two bitchy old women at a Christmas party. But I didn't say, oh, John. Oh, I just, I just said, you know. In my head, that's the way they came out. Maybe I did. Uh, <laughs> now, listen, uh, I'm intrigued by it. There is a little bit of, uh, you know, listen. Not that every fight has to have trash talk, but it makes it a little bit fun. I mean, there's certainly a little rivalry here. Um, yeah. I will say, again, from the very early on uh, in Volkanovski's UFC career, I mean, I, I didn't watch him coming up on the regional stage in Australia, I'll admit. Uh, but from very early on in his UFC career, I thought, man, this is a guy that I think can be a champion at some point. And it came maybe even faster than I thought. But here he is. Isn't that always the way? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you just did there. I, I, I heard it coming out of my mouth. I'm not going to – <laughs> Stop. Stop. Um, but he, he's here. Max Holloway, on the other hand, I hate to say that he's at a crossroads, but I do feel that way to a degree. You know what I mean? I mean, look, Aldo, you know, lost definitively twice and went to another division, right? Yeah. Um, Holloway obviously would not be going down to another division, uh, but I do wonder if this is that moment where he, where Holloway, if he doesn't reclaim the belt, if we're saying – that's the end of his featherweight run. Yeah, I mean, I did hear Cormier on, a, on a, one of his recent podcasts with Ariel. Um, he had an interesting point where it's like, you know, you'd assume if Max loses twice to the champion, you got to move up because you're not getting another shot traditionally. That's always the way, and probably rightfully so. But then he made a point that, like, you know, Volkanovski's got 
Like, there are some serious contenders that he's not faced. So Max actually might just need to chill out and win one more. And then, you know, Zabit might beat Volkanovski. Uh, Korean Zombie, Brian Ortega. Like, all those guys could give Volkanovski problems. So he was like, you know, it's not necessarily a death sentence for Holloway. Thank That's you very true. much. It's not a death sentence for Holloway at uh, 145. You know, because it's such a, a murderous row there. But yes, if you're looking at this through the traditional lens, Holloway loses. And if he loses again in a... Not he get, doesn't get knocked out, but if he loses in a shutout, as I thought the first one was really, I too. if he loses where it's like, oh, you just don't have anything for the champion, like you just don't have anything to offer them, yeah, his options are limited at that point. And, and, and to me, I mean, we've we've had situations like that before where we're like, dude, you're never going to beat that guy, so move up. And, and, and it's looking ahead, but like, I love the move of Alexander Gustin moving up to heavyweight. I think so too. Like you're I was not going to beat John to Jones. I was disappointed to hear he wanted to go back down to light. I was yeah, too like, because on. I was like, dude, this might excite. Like you're not going to beat John Jones, so you know, go to another division. <laughs> but but here, <laughs> yeah. In fact, that's all of you at 205. Just <laughs> yeah. leave. Just leave. No, um, he's retired too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, to to me, this one's a little bit different because it's not just hey, I don't like your chances against Volkanovski. It's like. Dude, you're getting bigger and older, and this weight cut is not for you. And so that's why I think this one is especially – it's yeah. not just, hey, man, you probably shouldn't fight him again. It's, hey, man, would your body – you know, should you pull a Dustin Poirier yeah. where, you know, you killed yourself to get to 45 and you found yourself incredibly more effective at 55. Yeah, if or Hol even a Conor McGregor, yeah. for that matter. If Holloway lost uh, – if Holloway loses this rematch, I would like him to take a year out to put on bulk – and, and move to 55 properly, you know, because I did think he looked too light against Poye in their fight at 55. I did. He did. I did think there's a big, he did. there's a size strategy. So I'd like him to take a year and lift the weights and do do the do do the damn thing, as he says. But uh, I was literally saying that sort of maybe think how stupid I was. I lost my point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he, he's. But yeah, I was. He's only like 28. Yeah, he's so young. That's what's funny because Holloway is the champion, and you think, oh, the up and coming kid Volkanovski. Like, yeah. no, Volkanovski's older. Yeah. He just. But but 28's like young. Oh, yeah, like he's oh. not. In, he's not in his prime yet. Yeah. And then you think, well, fuck, he's been hitting the head a lot. You know, he's had he had a, like that Ortega war. Like, okay, he smashed him, but he got you know. And he had the health issue that's never really been addressed. And the only thing we know about it is he makes sure he has loads of tests afterwards, which doesn't sound like awesome. Um, so he's like he's 28, but he's he's a bit of a weathered 28 year old. But at 28, man, like he's he's got six more years as a top top guy. That's right. Probably more. That's right. So it's, he's he's an interesting sort of person. Is he's in an interesting position, should I say? It was Holloway. You know, as much as he's acting like this fight is a trip to the grocery store on Saturday, there's a lot on this for Holloway. You know, because I mean. He could be one of those guys who he loses, can't get another title shot, so he moves to 55 and then be completely ineffectual at 55. True. They could all be monsters to him. True. So he, he all of a sudden your ranginess doesn't matter anymore. All you, of a sudden you, got, you haven't got the power. You yeah. can't. You can't out. You know. You can't. You know. Like going up against Gaethje and Ferguson. Like there's a mother. You know. I will say this. I won't write him off instantly, even if he's not playing mind games. Even if he really did just have a Zoom training. But if he camp. if he did that, that I actually believe that's irresponsible on his coach's part to be like, yeah, we're gonna let you go, and the biggest fight of your career, 25 minutes off the back of a Zoom coaching period. That's like. I know, but I mean, I talked to him before we had this session the other day. I actually talked to him on the phone, and, he, and, and I asked him about that, and he said, "Listen, I understand this blew everybody's mind, but like, does everybody understand? I've been fighting since I was 16 years old, and like, I know what to do, and I, you know, oh, look, it's the same one, one, one being made, right, against Rocco. Like, I know how to punch and stuff, right? But it's just like, man, 
Volkanovski's going to be... He's not going to get tired, dude. And your whole game is about making them drown in the deep waters. If you can't put that cardio on them late on, I don't know what... Like, technically, what can he do different against Volkanovski? You Check a kick? I mean... Well, you know what's funny is... I mean, I picked Volkanovski in this fight, but I, I had kind of decided I wasn't going to write off Max because I, I, I wrote off Mike Perry... Uh, Good one. I wrote off Mike Perry because the whole Try doing that training again today. camp and the tour. Yeah. Oh, dude, that that situation's bad, man. I, yeah. I, we, we could sit here and talk about that for half an hour. But I, I will say this with that Mike Perry situation. Let me finish my point first. Yeah. I, I, wrote, I wrote him off because I wrote off Mike Perry against Mickey Gall because I thought, man, if he's not training with anybody and he doesn't have his coaches and all that, like he can't do it. And then it did make me realize that, listen uh, – yeah, long term, you can't do that. You cannot care, you cannot conduct your career that way, but you can conduct yourself for one fight that way. You can against compete. the right opponent. But exactly, and that so that's what I said in my head. But as I heard you talking right there, then I was instantly reconsidering my own thoughts because you are right against an opponent that you need to make adjustments against, and you know we've kind of understood that everybody is preparing under the same pandemic MMA rules, but Volkanovski actually went to the government and got the government to give him a waiver, and he was allowed to have a training partner, full yeah. camps, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, I was picking Volkanovski already, but in my head I was thinking maybe I'm silly to write off Holloway because I wrote off Perry. But as you say that, man, I think you make some great points, and I, I don't want to write off Holloway, man. He's a great fighter. But He's I, a stud, dude. Man, know, but this is, a, this, is a, this is a tall order. It's just one of those things, right, where the first fight was sort of so – uh, one-sided, but not in the traditional one-sided. It wasn't going to beat up or anything, but it was just like, I don't know what technical adjustments he could make to change it because Volkanovski seems to just have him beat across the board. Right. And you can say what you want, like, oh, you know, the kicks didn't hurt. They were like, they were point-scoring kicks. Well, get, you know, guess what? The point-scoring kicks. The point score. They score the points, <laughs> yeah. you know? It, it, so it's a tough one, dude. I, and I think, uh, I, I think Volkanovski's actually... I think Volkanovski has the potential, at least, to because he's so understated and so like chilled out. I think he's going to fly under the radar for a long time. But I think Volkanovski has the potential to really like become a dominant force. I do too. I think Volkanovski's probably as tough as fucking nails, and I don't think we've really seen it yet. I think Volkanovski's a, a dog, you know. And I think Volkanovski, when I see him talk, like yesterday, well, the other day when we saw him talk about Max, you, could, he, I don't think he's like a hateful guy. I don't think he hates anyone, but like. I think that guy bleeds competition. I think that guy is a competitor. I don't think we've seen that out of Volkanovski yet. And, you know, if you're, you're 28 and you've been the champ for ages and then, you know, you're asked about, like, what's different about being a champ. Oh, I've got less media now. Doesn't sound like you miss it. Aldo misses it. We asked Aldo, like, do you, you know, did you feel relieved when he lost the title? Hell no, he wasn't. It's just uh, it's an interesting, interesting sort of contrast. I agree. All right, l real quick, I do want to talk about Perry. We've all seen the clip at this point. I, it, I don't even know what to say because, you know, I, I don't want to say that I've defended Perry, but I have said I like Perry. I, I, th I think he's a, an amazing character. I think he's a, a fun fighter. I think I like having him around. I mean, he makes things interesting. He, he, uh, he's an intriguing uh, human being, man. He, uh, is, I, I like talking to him. Even, even when it's clear he's being combative, uh, it, that's fun to me. You know what I mean? To see, like, that type of – you know, his psychology and, and what's different and all that. So all those things, man, I, it, it takes all types in this sport, right? Right. But there's just no defending what he did. I mean, look, I have seen people say, why did the guy say, well, then come on. 
but that is not perhaps an overestimation of not, your own ability there, sir. There you go. He, he, the guy probably shouldn't have said that. He, but, but that is not some defense to be like. So of course Mike Perry should have just gone off and but there is just absolutely no defending what Mike Perry did in the situation. And there's so many aspects of this because the police report says he hit a woman. I, obviously, we don't know all the yeah. facts yet, but the police report says it. Can't defend that. Uh, okay, he lost his temper. I imagine some alcohol was involved. Uh, I get it. I've lost my temper when some alcohol is involved. And, and I understand it's hard to calm you back down in a quick fashion. I'm not saying I give him a pass. I'm saying I understand that part. You don't get you don't get to, as a trained, high-level, pro- professional biter, swing on somebody in a bar when your life is clear. Like, if your life is in danger, if, 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 if something so, – Dude, some old guy is standing in front of you. Like, you don't get to swing on him, man. You don't get to swing on him. But – and then you add in the fact that he's just throwing around the N-word. Yeah. Which it's just – there's just – there's so many aspects that are so wrong. But the thing is, like, I don't want to just sit here and be like, so F this guy, F his opportunities in the sport, F blah, 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 blah. What I'm thinking is – Guy needs help, man. Yeah, so guy, somebody needs to get in there and help his life. Yeah, so I will, I will flatter say I'm a, I'm a Mike Perry fan. I find the guy compelling. Uh, in this sport where you have so many people, I'll you know I'll fight the guy the UFC put in front of me. You know the, the cliche lines. Anyone who's a character, a, a unique character, who's not trying to emulate someone else, who's found success, anyone who's themselves, I always enjoy it. Even if I think like on the surface, Mike Perry's a bit of a ridiculous human being. Like the guy's crazy. He's got platinum tattooed on his face. Like. God's gift on his yeah, and I, <laughs> Come ju- on, man. I just think like when I, s- I woke up and I saw the video, someone texted me the video and said, that, well, there's the Perry meltdown we were expecting, which is sad, but not inaccurate, right? I, I think with the whole girlfriend shit, we thought something wasn't quite right. And the first time I watched the video, I wasn't really paying attention. I went, oh, that's just whatever. Yeah, because by the way, when it came out, it was, like was 4.30. It was like yeah, 4 yeah, four in the morning. Because I, I actually happened to wake up around the same yeah. time because our sleep schedules are all screwed up. But yeah, you're seeing it at 4 in the morning. You're like, eh. Yeah, so I kind of just uh, like, it's always the ones you most expect. You know, like it just, it just sucked. And then when I watched it back when I was a bit more awake with the audio up, and I really genuinely feel that uh, I think Mike has like, People say, oh, this guy's got issues, and it's sort of like this generic term for like, oh, this guy's going through some shit and is not dealing with it well. No, I felt like when Mike screamed at the woman in the video, you're not on my side, you're not on my side, and if you combine that with his recent social posts, his recent attitude towards fans, I don't want any fans, I don't need any fans, uh, from a complete armchair psychologist, I I wonder if the guy's developing some sort of paranoia. It seems very much like he believes the world is against him, and that's concerning. I'm sorry to say, uh, perhaps the people around him, oh, I don't know, maybe his management or something like that, should understand that this isn't a character quirk. This isn't like, oh, a guy just being himself, you know, crazy Mike. The guy is clear. Like, who leaves their wife for 22? A kid. Buys her a fucking car after you've just announced you owe the tax man 100 grand. The guy is not being rational. And I understand. I don't want Mike to calm down. I love the fact he's a wild man. But, mate, like, you, you've... At the very least, I'll get one more thing after this point. At the very least, he needs anger management. He needs counselling. Yes. I, I think I actually 
really believe it's in the best interest of him and all the parties for the UFC not to cut him or suspend him. Get him a year's worth of help. I Don't agree. get rid of him because if you, if you fire Mike Perry now, what the fuck is he going to do well, next? Well, that's the interesting thing when, when people say, oh, they should cut him, they should get rid of him. And I understand that sentiment, you know, like well, why are we going to reward him with more financial opportunities? But when you cut him and you get rid of him, and again, I know they're not employees, they're contractors and all that, but keeping him under the umbrella I think it's better. But if you can offer him a little bit of mental health. Just, a just bit say, of say you, can't, you can't fight again until you pass a psychologist evaluation for 12 months. I, I think that's completely in their rights, and he should obey by those rights. The second thing I want to address is the N-word stuff. We are, you and I, and all the members of the MMA media, completely guilty about letting that go. Because he's been doing it for ages. Right. And it, it's sort of one of those things where it's so brazen, and it's like so ridiculous. It's like so com. It's so ridiculously over the top. It's almost comical, and it's not offensive. I mean, how could it be offensive to us? But it's like oh, crazy old Mike again, you know. Yep. And actually, when you see him, like when he was saying the M word, I was like, please tell me he's not saying that to an actual black person. He wasn't. But it. But you're right. We're like, guilty. It, we should have held him more accountable know, all the like, way. Along. And we we've never questioned the UFC hard enough on it. We've never, you know, like remember Nate Diaz back in the day got 50, 50 G fine for saying a homophobic slur. Now they're all fucking saying it all the time, and no one blinks an eye. And I think, uh, I think it's it's probably more on us than I realise. To you know, with all due respect, the UFC and Dana are not going to willingly punish their fighters unless we grill them and hold their balls to the fire to make them do it. But you know what, man? And you're 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 right. You're dead on. You're right. And I will tell you what, if you were nominated for journalist of the year, I'd vote for you. But you're not. <sighs> so you should sweet. vote for me instead. <laughs> but. <laughs> But you know what, man? No, you make a great point. And you know what's funny is, is, is we're sitting here talking about it, thinking about it. As you were talking, I was thinking, you know, because I've always been the thing, okay, you can't uh, – don't cut the guy. Like, what does yeah, that do? But but you're right. These these infractions like this – now, again, I, I have always said, look, these these guys are cage fighters at the end of the day. You can't hold them to the – You, yeah, you, you can't, can't hold them to the, the perfect PC. Yeah. But, but you're right. The, dropping the N-word, you know, that, that's not okay. But it's like it, – it, it also, like, look – but you know what? I would say this. I, I like what you said here. What, what I'm saying is this. Okay, a fine. I don't even know. If, I, I don't even know if a fine is legally okay since they're independent contractors. Cutting them, uh, you know, you're not going to cut them right away. But I, I kind of like the idea of saying this. Like, look, we're going to let you go unless you take these steps. Yeah. Unless you go complete. Like, if somebody says, you know, a homophobic slur. Hey, we want you to come. And, I, and, I, and I know some people would say it's like John Jones going to rehab for a day yeah. or whatever. I, I get, I could see some. Oh, you made me take a, uh, uh, you know, an anger management class. Like ah, whatever. Da, da, da. But it's something. At least, at least it's addressing it. It's acknowledging it's the first it. First step, right? And it's a step, yeah. right? I mean, you can't make somebody change their worldview. You can't make somebody get better. But I like that idea of saying, hey, listen, we're putting you on probation. We need you to complete this by X amount of time, or. Or terminating your contract. Yeah. And and I, I see, you know, then that becomes a problem. What if Conor McGregor does something? Are they going to terminate Conor Gre- That's not fair to ask you that. But if they're going to terminate the, you know, if it's Jorge Masvidal, are they going to terminate Jorge Masvidal's contract? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and, like, and that's the of thing. Of course right? not. Because, look, did, did Jorge or did Jorge not assault someone backstage in London? Yes. So he absolutely that's did. Te- if that, if that happens on the street. I mean, no, I won't even say that. It did happen backstage. It didn't happen on the street. That is illegal. What he did is illegal. He, assault, he assaulted a guy who just happens to share the same profession as him. But for some reason, when it comes to fighting and fighters, we sort of blur the lines. I think uh, 
Dude, I, I honestly believe this, and this is a sad case of affairs. I believe if we said nothing, like we're going to see Dana White this week, we're going to interview him, we're going to do scrums together. I believe if we said nothing, Mike would probably not be punished. I really, I, they would probably just leave it to the law. He didn't even get arrested on the scene. That's crazy. Which is fucking bananas to me. When the guy's being put into an ambulance, you don't even arrest the dude. That's great. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot to it, and I... I it's so easy to like shit on Perry right now, but I really, ref I kind of refuse to because I think the guy is just going through some. Like I, I actually think Darren Till might have broken him. I really do. Like it seems to be from that. Like as innocuous as it was a joke, the new girlfriend, the raw dog comment, the way the fans piled on him, like the way he started talking about. Like he, we were sitting here having dinner the other night, and I was like, look at his tweet, and he's like, oh, you're gonna drown in piss yeah. and shit forever, and so I was like, what the hell's going on with him, you know? Um, which I think actually was tweeted after the incident, perhaps. Wow. But uh, you know, the guy, the guy, the guy needs help. And sometimes in society, and not to sound too grandiose, but you need to realize, like, just washing your hands of an incident doesn't mean the incident goes away. Because guess what? If you wash your hands of Mike Perry, like you cut him from the UFC, right? He's not a UFC fighter. Guess what? The next crime that he commits, which I would wager he will commit, he'll still be in the byline as ex UFC fighter. You know, and he's got oh, a crim true. he's got a criminal record, and you know, the guy just needs. Like, you can't look at Mike Perry and be like, that's the guy who's got his temper under control. The guy needs help. And the people around him need to be the people making the steps to get him the help instead of just saying stuff like, oh, he's a character. Man, he's a character, but he's also a character fucking up. You're so right about that. I, man, and again, it's not fair to have you in a conversation and bring up, like, what would you do with Conor McGregor? But using that example as the biggest star in the sport, it's so hard because – you're not going to let the guy go. You're not going to terminate the guy. You're not, and so, like, I, I, this, I'm going to – if anybody has an idea, please hit me up on Twitter. Please hit me up on, on patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow because I'm seriously, like, questioning this. Cause I, and I've thought about this before, but now it's kind of really, like, in my brain again. Like, what is the right answer? I, d I don't know what the answer is because, uh, again, it, it would be uh, just cut the guy. But if it but if it happens to be one of your champions, it has to be one of your biggest stars. That's an, you're not going to cut him. That's an irrational thing to say, you, you, and, and it's also, and I sound like I'm playing favorites here. It's also irrational in a world of independent contracts, in a world of like you bring me this much pay per view versus you bring me this much pay per view. It's it's also in a, it's illogical to think they're going to hold the same standards to the same people. They're just not right. You know, Sarah Kaufman is not going to get the same as Ronda Rousey would get. You right. know, that's just the fucking way it is because the UFC is the embodiment of corporate America in sports, essentially, which is whatever. So, but I, I just think, I, I think with my, I think with certain fighters, Nate, Nick, Mike, their their reputation is just like a, they're crazy. Connor, they're crazy. They can do what they want. I feel like we're I feel like we're guilty to be enabling them. Like Mike Perry called Michael J. White, right, the actor, a black guy, called him the N word on Twitter. And like that wasn't even a headline for like didn't even register. That's You're insane. Right. You're you know, right. That is insane. Like imagine if imagine if Colby called Kamari that. You're right. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we've you know, the whole meme of Mike Perry's 2% black. Like, it's funny jokes, man. It's funny jokes. And it, it's... You're right. It's, it, because and, and it's almost like... I think I think we have this internal dialogue where we're like, well, it's ridiculous, so we don't want to give it space. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're well, right. So it, we it, should it, give it space. And also, there's, an, there's a... You know, like, I, I feel bad for the listeners. They're going to think, well, like, these cancel culture people. I'm the absolute opposite of that. We just both sat here and said we're fans of Mike yeah, Perry. Like, check, check out, like, check out my WhatsApp conversations, dude. Like, you know... Like the, com the my career's over ten times over. Right. But uh, I just think uh, you know, 
if we're going to sit on the same side and be like, these guys are athletes, they deserve more money, unfortunately, they're going to have, like, the more NBA, the NFL, they, they are way more professional. You're going to have to start expecting more professionalism. Boy, that's a great point, too. If you, Hey, man, you start you start becoming a 50% revenue partner or something like that, you, you got a 50% responsibility partnership, yeah, too. Just, there's something about, like, there's uh, overall, there's just something about combat sports where uh, the general public, like, consider fighters like these all oh, like scary aura people you know like even floyd got away with calling connor a homophobic slur in london no one said a fucking thing about that you know so true it's just like the comment sports is just a weird gray area but i feel like the ufc has regressed a little bit in that it's very weird to me that you can have like amanda nunez you know having a surrogate child with her, her wife at the same time as on the, like the card the next week a guy is like calling in an interview with my MMA junkies Mike Bond calling uh, Till and home folks there and stuff like that, you know? I don't know what to Welcome to Fight Island. <laughs> Welcome to Fight Island. All right, let's get back to the fights. I mean, that, that discussion sorry, sorry, is going to be Sorry for the heavy conversation, no, but, guys. No, but, but I think it's an important discussion, and, and I'd love to, to hear people chime in on it because, again, what the fix is. But, all right, let's talk about the last title fight, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo. Uh, I will say this. The vacant Bantamweight title's on the line. Uh, I've been a little critical of the matchup just because – you know, Jose Aldo did lose. And yeah. I un I understood Aldo versus Cejudo in Brazil because you're trying to sell tickets in Brazil. Yeah. I got it. Um, Jan versus Aldo, when I when I know that Sterling is out there and, and all, I, I don't know. I wasn't that – now, stylistically, I think it's going to be fantastic. And Aldo looked pretty good this week. And it is always fun to get in front of Aldo yeah, yeah. because, you know, when you talk about Aldo on paper, when you talk about Aldo, like, ah. But then when you stand in front of him and you're like, that's like that dude, he may not be the guy he once was, but he's still the guy. You know what I mean? And so, I, 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 I again, I, I'll throw this out there. I mean, I picked Jan in this fight. I, 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 I think Jan is the right pick in this fight, man. I think, you know, he is kind of that that next level guy, that next era guy. But I, I, I feel like maybe I, I, I've been too quick to write off Jose Aldo, and he seems a good spirit this week. I, I watched, I rewatched the Marlon fight. I still had it for Marlon. I, I really, I think the third round, like Aldo was being the forward motion and aggression, but Marlon was landing more, and that's why. So I think that's where the the difference of opinion comes on. I think Aldo. It's just hard to win rounds when you're moving backwards, dude. It's just yeah, it really is, and it shouldn't be that way because you can counter strike very effectively. But whatever. But uh, I thought Aldo looked like young again in that fight. You know, it looked like the bantamweight cut did him like favors almost. And this, like, so. Both you and I have interviewed Aldo a couple of times. I remember the last time I interviewed him, I tried to talk to him about the anniversary of the time he got knocked out by Conor McGregor. That, <laughs> went, that went really well. In fact, actually, for the listeners, I did that in front of John. And <laughs> like uh, as I finished, John went, well, you just had to ask him. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know why I did that. But uh, this, like, He's like, dude, hey, real quick, can we just talk about the worst moment of your so life? Yeah, so that you're, awesome. you're dying on the way to 135 for the first time. Remember that time you got sparked? Yeah, that was good. Remember how you're never having that rematch, too? Uh. Great. Uh, no, uh, but this week we did a we did a group scrum with Aldo, and there was a, a bunch of our peers were Brazilian, and it was the first time I've really seen Aldo in person speaking to Brazilians for a long period of time. It was very animated. And for, for a dude who's supposedly dying to 135, he didn't look that way at all. Not at all. all. Didn't look Not that way at, at all. all. Completely fine. Probably, in fact, 
healthier than I've seen him at some cuts at 145. No, I would agree. And that's important to note just because the, the first time, now granted, he, he ended up having a great performance, arguably won the fight. But there was no question that fight week, he looks rough. Oh, so he looked like sunken in, like yeah. fucking. Yeah, he didn't look rough. He did not look rough. Which, uh, which again, like, so we could be speaking too soon, right? That could be a bad thing. Like, yeah, he'll maybe, probably be 139 yeah, or maybe, something. Maybe he should be looking rough. <laughs> maybe he should be. But I, I'm still curious about the travel, man. Like, the, like ask any fighter. You come off an international flight, your body's bloated for a couple of days, you know. But he didn't look rough. He was very talkative, and he was he was usually Aldo's, uh, you know, monotonous kind of guy almost. Yeah. But he was very animated. I found him interesting to – couldn't listen to him, but I could watch him talk. Uh, yeah, he looked fresh, man. He looked fresh. It, it, it made me – whereas before I was like, Pity Allen's going to win. Now I'm like, woo. Aldo might be showing up. You know? I'll say this. So here's the one thing that also I found really interesting about what Aldo was saying. He, he kept talking about his striking, uh, his K1 ability, his this sort of thing. Because here's here's what I would say. If he, like, and he has great boxing. He really does have great boxing. But at this point in his career, if this is a boxing match, I'm taking Peter Young. If Aldo will throw those kicks back in there, and, and that's it was funny to me. He said the words, I like my, you know, K1, my kick. Yeah. My kick my, when he said that, I said, okay, if he's going to go back to the leg kicks, I like that. But don't you think, though, I feel like every fight he's asked about the leg kicks, and I feel like every fight he goes, oh, well, this time. I was like, dude, you just, you, you, the last time he threw them was against Korean Zombie, I think, <sighs> I properly. So uh, he's got to mix the leg kicks in there, or, or this. Uh, I don't want to say necessarily, like, wrestling, because I, I think his takedown defense is great. I don't know that his takedowns are that great. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he wants to create some scrambles and try to try to you know take it to the ground at some point. So that's the other thing that made me laugh. So two things I thought about when he said you know kept mentioning oh K one K one K one. He's either saying like yeah I'm bringing the kicks back in or he's basically just trying to bait Jan into thinking oh we're going toe to toe son we're gonna yeah. stand and trade. But in reality I'm gonna I'm gonna try to push this against the fence and try to create a scramble and take this to the floor. I I, I, I genuinely believe the two of them are gonna go toe to toe. I believe it's going to be a kickboxing match. I believe it's going to be a bit like the first round of Aldo Marais, actually. I think it's going to be like one, two, one, two, like almost in a traditional Muay Thai fight. My concern is if it is that, Pidian's knocking him out because Pidian's got heavier hands. I think so, too. And you can kick his legs, but if he cracks, if he cracks you, like, you know, Holloway finished him. Holloway doesn't hit that hard. Right. I mean, that's a stupid thing to say. I'm sure he does. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, he doesn't hit hard in the world of fighting, I suppose. Pidian does. You know, and I think... It's ironic, actually. It's funny enough because this new sort of idea of like Aldo the aggressor. It's almost like actually Aldo the technical champion would probably do much better against Pidian to just outpoint him five rounds like he used to do to every motherfucker he fought him. Yep. It's actually funny. Like that guy would probably serve him better this round, but he seems to be coming in like, let's go, you know. And no, he doesn't want to watch that. I'm down for it's it. It's a good fight. Stylistically, it should be fun. Yeah. Uh, all right, rounding out the main card. Uh, I will say this. I took Rose Namajunas over Jessica Andrade. Which is crazy, I know, because Jessica Andrade had the highlight reel finish. But go, just if, if 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 it's not fresh in your memory, just remember how damn good Rose looked before that. And I know we'll say this, and you kind of made a joke earlier about how like she wasn't, uh, you know, excited, interested, interested. But remember this, and and I didn't, I didn't, man, I didn't actually fully realize it until we until I sat down and was writing my blog for that day. Like, she's going to be fighting at, like, 6 a.m., and, and she was speaking to us at, like, 6 p.m. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. And uh, I, actually, I actually wrote it in my blog, and it, it came from a comment that you were saying. You were like, well, if that's like if somebody was fighting at 7 p.m. in Vegas, we interviewed him at 7 a.m. And I used that in my blog because I was like, 
yeah, that's so like it doesn't make any sense at all. So uh, Rose did. If you watch the video, she looked incredibly disinterested, and she actually like I waited to turn on my camera because she actually yawned like four yeah, times she did. before before she did the first interview. But it wasn't one of those like facetious like I'm bored, like I hate being here. Yeah, no, she was she just she was literally super looked tired. She's, she, and, she, and she got she woke up. You know. She literally looked tired. So I picked Rose in this. Uh, I will say this also, uh, by the way, Jessica Andrade. Uh, I love the fact that she said she's moving to Vegas. She's moving to Vegas. She's going to move her whole team to Vegas, and, and she believes that will give her more short-notice opportunities, and she is willing to go to 125, 135 as well. So uh, great matchup there. I, I, I took Rose in that one. And uh, Amanda Hebus, I, I'm telling you, I've been high on Amanda Hebus since she came to the UFC uh, be, because of her fighting skills but also because of her personality, that X factor, uh, everything that she has available to her. I'm not disrespecting Paige Van Zandt. I'm not trying to say, hey, this is a given, this doesn't happen, whatever. Paige is tough, but I do believe Amanda is the better fighter. But I do think Amanda is a star that's uh, – I, I think she's a star that's about to break out. And, and if she beats – I don't want to say a known commodity like Paige Van Zandt in terms that's of what, like That's a fair comment. Right, she you know what I mean? Like, if, if, I believe she, she describes herself as that, no? That's you know so I mean? if she beats a known commodity like that, if she does it and then, and then she jumps on the mic – it shows that enthusiasm that she has. Man, I, I believe you know, this but, could be a breakout moment you know, for Amanda Hebus. It would be the best thing is if she combined that, like, enthusiasm and, like, happy joyfulness with, like, mad shit talking. Like, I just fucking killed this bitch. Come on. Like, that'd be great. She won't do that, but I'd enjoy that. Sorry, that came to mind. Oh, that would be great. What did you uh, – what do you think about Rose and, and, and Entourage? Because it's so funny, right? Like, a fight like that where it's so one-sided up to that point but then the other person gets the emphatic finish. Yeah, it, like, which one do you take out going into the rematch? I think, I think, uh, I think, like, you know, Andrade won the one out of ten times she could have won that fight. You know, she kind of just sort of Hulk smashed it, which is in her yes. wheelhouse, right? But um, I sort of, I think Rose is because Rose is so understated as well. It's really easy to forget she's a fucking badass. Yes, she she beat Joanna twice. That's no easy feat. And then I was watching the embedders, and I never really watch the embedders, but it's a sign of how intre- like excited I am for the cards. And how much we've been stuck in our rooms. Well, also that too. I mean, it's only, it can't even get porn. But um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, Rose was hitting the pad. It's pa- true. You can't get it. It's a nightmare. But Rose, <laughs> Rose was uh, hitting the pads in the embedded. She is so silky smooth, dude. Like her, her. I don't want to sound like some mad sexist here, but there's a difference between like the level of women fighters versus the average level of men fighters, right? The average and average is just not not the same. Right. But like Rose has, regardless of gender, just like silky elite level striking. Oh, it's Every, pretty to watch, man. So like low energy, but like sharp punches. She was hitting the pads with a um, pad bear, and I thought I was like, man, she looks fucking good, dude. So yeah, I, I think uh, I think Rose might just it's like because it's, it's only three rounds as well, like. You know, she's not going to like, oh, I'll let this Brazilian clinch me again. You know, she's going to stick and move, and I think she'll probably make a show of it. How, mentioning her real quick, it's funny. How about the fact that, it, I don't want to say it was low-key shade, but, you know, she was, was saying. <laughs> it was. <laughs> she, she was saying that she wasn't happy with her first performance. Was, what did you take away from that first fight? Because the question being, yes, you got knocked out in emphatic fashion with a big slam, but at the same time you looked amazing up to that point. And I made sure to point out to her that I thought you looked amazing up to that point. And she said, no, you know what I took out of that is that I have things to fix. And I'm like, well, I mean, a lot of people thought you looked really good. And, and she was like, well, yeah, it's easy to look good when she just stands there and lets you hit her. And I was like, <laughs> damn. Yeah, seriously. That was low-key shade. I think, I think uh, 
And Draj is such like an affable and nice person. I, but I do feel, again, I'm just clutching this out of thin air. I do feel like Andrade knows she got a bit lucky as well. I think so. I think Andrade. She even said it. She said, uh, I know. I can't if do I, the same thing again. Right? I know if I fight the same way, it's going to be a bad night for yeah. me. How, how, how awesome is that to say, yeah, I knocked her out with a, with, a, with a slam. But if I fight the same way, it won't be a good night for me. Yeah, she, she I love that awareness. Yeah, I love but that. Did, like again, we it's the same as like unique people in the sport. Like I just self-awareness is almost like you can't have it as a fighter because if you're self-aware, every fight you go into, you be like, this motherfucker might beat me. This guy's scary. Yeah, yeah. You need like no self-awareness. But when you do find it every now and again, I think like Forrest Griffin used to have it. Bisping, yes, sometimes had it. Uh, Chael had it when he wasn't pretending. Like when you find it, it's very uh, interesting to hear. I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, listen, we're not going to take a ton of time. I mean, we've already talked for long enough. You're probably tired of us. Yeah, You're going to be tired of us by the end of Fight Island because, I mean. we <laughs> got just, nowhere else to go. we got nothing else to do. We're going to be talking. There ain't nobody else here. We're going to be knocking out those and a half episodes over on uh, Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. So make sure you you check those out. Uh, just real quick for me, uh, Volker Luzmir versus Yuri Prohoshka. Uh, Yuri Prohoshka, if you don't know who this guy is, uh, he's dangerous. He's a scary dude. Uh, he's been fighting overseas, making his USA debut. This dude is a killer. And uh, he's it, the fact that they're putting him up against Volkan Uzdemir in the first matchup goes to show you, A, they probably paid a lot of money for him. <laughs> and, B, you know, they believe in his ability. So that will be good. One. And uh, just as a, an MMA fan, uh, if, if you don't know the names or you hadn't thought about it, uh, stylistically, Muslim Salikov and Elzio Zaleski Dos Santos could be a ridiculously wild fight, man. Just the uh, – the styles that they bring to the matchup could be a lot of fun, so make sure you check that out. Uh, all right, uh, I guess last thing I'll just say real quick, if you weren't sure, uh, again, go check out the blog. Go check out the Fight Island Chronicles. You'll see a lot of details. But uh, the venue, if you're if you're one of those gamblers, if you're one of those fantasy fight-type uh, people, the venue is nothing like it was before. Last year, September 242. It was hotter was than the surface of the sun. It I was believe. hot, man. It was so hot. Uh, it's cool in there. I, I think that's important to note, uh, again, with the fights. I, I do think that people aren't going to fatigue as quickly. It's not going to be as overwhelming. I think they're going to be able to concentrate, feel a lot better uh, like they do in the Apex. And uh, we'll see how the Flash Forum looks for the first time on TV. We saw it today. It wasn't quite together yet. Yeah. But uh, it kind of is it. It's like the, it's like the uh, – It's a supersized Apex. I was going to say, we got to come up with some nickname – it's the because uh, it's the basically the Abu Dhabi version of the Apex. So I I don't know so if anybody's got any good nicknames. Let's come up with that. Abu Pex. See that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, that Shit. sounds terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's something there though. We got we got to work on it, man. But the it, it's dry it's, zone. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, hit us up. Uh, so yes, we'll have plenty of coverage. Tune in to MMA Junkie full coverage. Tune in to the Mac Life for full coverage. Make sure you vote for either or just one of us. I don't care who you vote for. World MMA Awards. Go to I do. Well, yeah, <laughs> vote for one or the other. Just register your vote. Just not for ESPN. Obviously, for Journalist <laughs> of the Year, please vote for me. Yeah, John I mean, Morgan, Journalist of the Year. Go if ahead. Oscar Wills was there, I'd say it doesn't matter who you vote for, but he's not. So vote for me. <laughs> and uh, make sure you go to uh, patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Sign up over there for as little as $3 a month. You can have all kinds of exclusive content. Shout out to Cool Coffee for putting this all together. We miss him. Yes, uh, but we're finally getting settled in. It's going to be a long time. We got, we got, we got three more weeks here. Fucking hell, yeah. Can't get, a dr- can't get a drink after 12. Can't get a drink after midnight, so we're going to try to get these things done very early so that we can have time to drink until midnight. Damn. And we'll just say, so that we can leave and drink till midnight. Thanks for listening.